Talking about the disciplines. Richard Foster has a book called Celebration of Discipline. And I would encourage you to pick up this book. If you don't have it, I have one in my library. You're more than welcome to borrow it. I hesitate saying borrow it because I can't tell you how many books are still out there missing with my name in them. (laughs) But that's okay. I'll just buy another one. I should still have it in my library. It's a great book to have. It's a book that talks about spiritual disciplines that need to be exercised in the life of a believer. We see Jesus modeling a consistent prayer life while he was here on earth. And that's the discipline that we're going to look at today is the discipline, the inward discipline. Foster kind of characterizes, you know, inward, outward, and corporate. This is an inward discipline, the discipline of prayer. But we see Jesus modeling the importance of prayer. His prayer life here on earth. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus can be seen praying. Jesus, the Son of God, pray. And so today we're going to look at that. If you are taking notes today, prayer is not only talking to God. And I think sometimes we have mistaken prayer and we think that prayer is all about me just throwing all of my requests to God. Prayer is not only talking to God, but prayer is also listening to God. If we have a conversation today, you're not going to do all the talking. Not if you're having a conversation with me, because I'm going to talk too. But I'm going to listen to you, kind of like this little exercise that Pastor Gordon had us do, right? You are loved. And I believe it. So I'm not only hearing you talk to me, but I'm also, I'm listening, but I'm also talking to you. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God, and prayer is also listening to God. And there's all kinds of different prayers, and we're not, this, this, this is just so large today, we're not going to even be able to scratch the surface. All the different prayers, prayers of confession, prayers of intercession, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of supplication. But we also see Jesus teaching us how to pray. How do you pray? If prayer is talking, if prayer is listening, how do I pray? What do I say? Some people don't like to pray out loud in front of people because they're afraid that they don't have the right words. But there again, prayer isn't just talking. Prayer is listening. So Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. So if you have a Bible in Matthew chapter 6, we get to see what it looks like. Again, Jesus is teaching. And he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Have you prayed that prayer before? It's a pretty familiar prayer. It's Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Prayer 
demonstrates a dependence upon God. Not only a dependence upon God, but also a desire for God in our lives. Let me say that again. Prayer demonstrates a dependence, a dependence upon God and a desire for God in our lives. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. I don't just need things from you. (coughs) I need you. I need you. We know according to the scripture that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession, praying, praying for us. And how does that make you feel? I mean, when somebody comes up to me and they say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. There's no greater gift that you can give to a pastor than to, for, for him or her to know that you're praying for them. That means a lot. Please keep praying for me. I'm so messed up. You laugh. It's true. I'm a work in progress. But it says in Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work in you is faithful and he's going to complete what he started in you. But it makes me, I mean, as happy as I am and as thankful as I am when I know that you're praying for me, it goes to a level that's right off the charts to know that Jesus Christ himself is praying for me. And he's praying for you. He's praying for us. He's praying for Radiant Life Church. Jesus is praying for you. And for you. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Romans 8.34 says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. There's your biblical support. Jesus is praying for you. And it says in the beginning of that verse, who then is the one who condemns? You know, in John chapter 3, where we read in verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, shall not perish, but will have everlasting eternal life. Verse 17 says that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. There is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So so this morning we are looking at another inward spiritual discipline that needs to be present in the life of every believer, the discipline of prayer. And as we're thinking about the discipline of prayer, point number one, if you're, taking notes, there has to be the place of prayer. There needs to be a place of prayer. It might be your prayer closet. (laughs) It might be in your car on the way to work as you drive. It may be as you're washing your hair in the morning. Might be right when you roll out of bed. Might be right when you go to bed. Might be when you're eating a meal for lunch. You know, prayer needs to be a part not only of 
every believer's life, but it needs to be, it needs to happen without stop, without ceasing. It's kind of like logging on to your computer and you don't log off. Turning on the television. Happened at our house last night. Didn't get turned off. (laughs) My fault. But you know, prayer has to be something that happens without stop. And so there needs to be a place of prayer. You know, Matthew 6, 6 says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray, for, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now that's not just saying the only time that you pray is when you go into your room. And if you're going to pray, you better go into your room and that's where you're going to pray. So if you're at work, well, I can't pray because... I don't live here. I don't have a room here. It's just saying, find a place. Maybe it's your room. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's going for a walk in the morning. And that's your time when you seek the Lord and you're in communion with him. But I want to encourage you to develop this habit of prayer in your life where it's constant, where it's without stop. All throughout the day, talking to the Lord, listening to him as he talks to you. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Pray continually. Luke 5.16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus didn't have a bedroom. (laughs) In fact, he didn't have a place to lay his head. That's why when people were following him, his disciples were following him, he's like, "What what do you want? Why are you following me? Like the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So he didn't go into his room, but he withdrew. He withdrew all the time to lonely places, to quiet places where he was alone and where he was able to talk to his father. So I want to encourage us to find the place to pray. Find a place. And I hope that prayer will have a huge place in your heart, in your life. Second thing we see is the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer. So not only am I encouraging us to have a place of prayer, I'm encouraging you, letting you know that there is a purpose for praying. What is the purpose of prayer? The purpose of prayer is relationship with the God of the universe. That's the purpose of prayer. And I've heard people say before, well, why do I need to pray? I mean, if he already knows everything that's going on in my life, <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a minute, but the purpose of the prayer, purpose of prayer is to have a relationship with God and to, to, to know that he wants to have a relationship. He desires a relationship with you. He went out to eat the other night with Mike and Abby and just had an incredible time, <laughs> incredible time, And I had no idea that the whole time I was eating, sitting behind me, was one of the best golfers of all time. Who would that be? Who? Yeah. He was sitting right behind us. And then as we were getting ready to leave, these guys told me that there was somebody else that was there, and I had no idea. I know her as Winnie. (laughs) Wonder years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we that kind of stuff is just cool, isn't it? When you're like in the presence of like 
a celebrity or somebody famous. I, I wasn't that guy who's like running after Phil so that I could get a picture. I did think about it. But I was like, no, I can't do that. To be in his presence, to know that we're in the same restaurant, we're eating the same food, like this is cool. God of the universe, the maker of Phil and Winnie, <laughs> wants to have a relationship with you. He invites you to, to come and talk to him, listen to him. What an honor. You know, Oswald Chambers, one of the greats in the church, he said, the biblical purpose of prayer is that we may get to know God himself. That's the purpose of prayer. There's lots of reasons we pray, but the purpose of prayer is that we might get to know God, that he desires to be in relationship with us. Third thing I want you to see is the power of prayer. James 5.16, it says that, that, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Get honest with one another. Be vulnerable. Share your struggles. Share your sin. Pray, not judge, shame. Pray for one another that you might be healed. And then it says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective, the prayer of a righteous person. And so there is power in prayer. There is power in Jesus' name. That's how we pray. I pray healing over your life in Jesus' name. That's a very powerful name. In fact, we're told that demons tremble when you say the name Jesus. Jesus. I just ruined somebody's day. Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power when we pray. That's why we pray. And then the fourth thing I want you to see is that we are called to be people of prayer. It says in 2 Chronicles 7, 12 through 16, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a, te- as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. And here's the verse that we know, that we've heard. He says, if my people. God is saying, if my people. Are we his people? If my people who are called by my name. will humble themselves. She's a pastor's wife, she knows. (laughs) Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Now, wait a second. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about the people of God. God's people. Humbling themselves 
Saying it out loud, I depend on you, I need you, I can't do this in my own strength. Apart from you, I can do nothing. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and get a hold of this and turn from their wicked ways. People of God have some turning around, some some things that they need to leave behind. Yeah, there's some things in our lives, as we've talked about, that need to die so that Christ can live. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn away from their wicked ways, more often than not, we're concerned about everybody else's wicked ways. Look in the mirror. Lord, help us. Then, he says, then, he lays the groundwork, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We have some problems in our land that we're complaining about. We're not looking in the mirror enough. Because I'm part of the problem. I don't want to be the problem. I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. And it's not going to be solved by complaining. By grumbling. By pointing the finger. By picking up a stone. It's going to happen when we say it out loud. I depend on you, God. I need you. I humble myself. I realize that there's wickedness in my life. I need your healing. I need your help. I need your touch. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered (laughs) in this place. How many of our prayers just hit the ceiling and bounce back? I've chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? To know that his eyes are here, that his heart is here. He cares about this space. He cares about this place. He cares about his people. Isaiah 59, 16 says, he saw that there was no one. There was no one, and he was appalled that there was no one, no one to intervene. No one. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. 1 Samuel 12, 23. As for me, far be it from me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. 2016. Singer, performer, went by the name of Prince. 
purple rain. You know who he is? In fact, when he was sick, he met with about 200 of his fans in regard to his health. And he said, wait a few days before you waste any prayers on me. Let me tell you something. Prayer is not a waste of time. Things happen when we pray. God moves when we pray. God hears our prayers. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective, and we will not stop praying. Praying for the lost. Praying for our families. Praying that there'll be somebody sitting in this seat And that seat, and that seat, that's my seat, and that seat. (laughs) Praying without stopping. Prayer moves the hand of God. But we're not just praying so that we get stuff. We're praying so that we get God. That's why we pray. Not a waste of time. Prince left this world shortly after this meeting with 200 people. We are praying and we are trusting the living word. As I sat on the couch this week and as I heard what was going on in the life of my sister-in-law, Missy, I came across this passage And I want to share this passage with you today. In Matthew 8, 1 through 4, we see how important it is to pray the will of God. Jesus taught us when he was teaching the disciples how to pray, that was a part of it that we're praying that thy will be done. So I'm praying, God, do what you think is best. Do what you think is right in the life of Missy. I mean, obviously, my prayer would be that he heals her on this side of heaven. No such thing as an unanswered prayer. God just answers prayer the way that God thinks is best and what's right. He hears us. There would be people that will say, well, I prayed and prayed and God never heard me. God never answered my prayer. Be careful. We're praying that the will of God would be accomplished. God sees the big picture. He has all the pieces. But in this passage in Matthew 8, 1 through 4, somebody was looking for healing and they said to Jesus, if you are willing. If you are willing. Jesus prayed, not my will be done, but your will be done when he prayed to his heavenly father, right? When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we see it again. Thy will be done. Matthew 8, 5 through 10. That's our text this morning. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, there was a centurion. He came to Jesus asking for help. He said, Lord, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? 
Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. I don't deserve it. But just say the word. I've entitled this talk with you guys this morning, Just Say the Word. Just say the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. I wonder today what is happening under your roof. In the privacy of your home, is there hurt? Is there pain, disappointment, suffering? Tension, anxiety, conflict, financial burden. What is happening under your roof? Two thousand twenty. I deserve more. I deserve better. Or I'm entitled to more. I'm entitled to better. And the truth of the matter is, I don't deserve your grace under my roof. Jesus said. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. We read this in the book of James. When you ask, you don't receive. And you don't receive because of your motives. What are your motives for praying? Is your motive, I want more of God in my life. I want to know him. Paul said, I want to know Christ. The power of his resurrection. I want to know him. James 4.13, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James 5.15 says, in the prayer offered in faith. That's why Jesus was just blown away by this guy's faith. He's like, I don't need you to come to my house. I just need you to say the word. He took Jesus at his word. Does the word of God have authority in our lives? Do we take him at his word? Do we believe him? Do we trust him? We know that he's more than able. Prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. I love how when Jesus, in his ministry, as he would find people that needed a touch. The physical was important, but the spiritual is more important. (laughs) But Jesus dealt with both. In fact, when these four friends in the book of Mark carried their friend to this place where Jesus was teaching, it was a packed house. There was no room for anybody to, I mean, even outside, it was just packed. And they have this great need. I mean, they hear Jesus is going to be in town. Their friend has been bound to this mat in Mark chapter 2 his whole entire life. 
They each pick up a corner because they're good friends. Good friends help their friends, help their friends find strength in the Lord, help their friends find healing in the Lord. They support their friend. They went to this house and they saw that there was no room and they could have just said, you know what, it's just, (laughs) we're not going to wait. Instead, they got creative. They started to think outside the box. They get up on this roof. This house doesn't belong to them. And they start peeling back the roof. Tiles, shingles, whatever the roofs were made of. And they knew where Jesus, they, they estimated where he would be. They cut this little hole in the roof and they lower their friend right in front of Jesus. And there were people that were no doubt upset about it. Get in line, buddy. You know? I mean, some of you, you've been at amusement parks and you can't wait in line for a roller coaster. I mean, this was, this was urgent. This was a big deal. This is somebody's life. And Jesus heals them, which in and of itself created all kinds of conflict and all, you know, who heals? I mean, son of God. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're calling yourself God? Jesus says, go and sin no more. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now you're saying, you, who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus dealt with the physical, but the spiritual. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And so we see the prayer offered in faith makes a sick person well. The Lord raises them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. He knows, Matthew 6, 8, he knows what you need. Amen? He knows what we need. That's why it says in Matthew 6, don't worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. (laughs) I take care of birds. And you're more valuable than the birds. I know what you need. I think sometimes it's such a one-sided relationship. You know, as a parent, you don't want to be talking to your kid only when your kid needs something. Right? But I mean, as a parent, you're like, I'll take whatever I can get. You know, but you, you want to make sure that you're taking care of their needs, that you're meeting their needs. But, I mean, we do this with God. Like, do we only come to God when we need something? I mean, we're, we can bring all of our needs, cast all of our cares. He knows what you need. Well, then why do I have to say it out loud? Well, saying it out loud also is acknowledging that I depend on you and I realize that you are need-meeting God. You can meet my needs. But we don't just come to him when we have needs. Your greatest need, let me just say this out loud today, it's not in the notes. Your greatest need today is for a savior. It's the greatest need in your life. And when that need is met, and that's why I say, as we're meeting the needs, the basic needs of people in our community, in our city, as you meet the basic needs of others, it opens up opportunity to meet the greatest need, which is need for a Savior. So I want to encourage us not to just talk to God when we need something, but to come to Him and to desire Him. He's my greatest need. God, I desire You. 
Today I want to thank you. Thanksgiving ought to be a part of every believer's prayer life. Thanking him. Like we talked about during Thanksgiving time, the, the lepers that were cleansed, there was only, there were, were, not, were not 10 cleansed and only one came back. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Let's be a people of Thanksgiving. I'm going to close with this passage. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Jesus went with his disciples as he was nearing the end here on earth. He prepared 30 years for three years of ministry. 30 years for three. He's coming to the end. He's with his disciples. He's, in this, he's at this place called Gethsemane. And he says to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Models for them the importance of prayer. He takes Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. What a dark place. Jesus is in this place of despair. He is son of God. He is overwhelmed with sorrow. Overwhelmed. To the point, it says, to the point of death. And he says, stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground. And he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus prayed the will of the father. Modeled for you and for me, praying the will of the father. Now, some would read this and would say that Jesus prayed and his prayer was not heard. His prayer was not answered. Jesus. So be careful when you are holding the grudge against God because you don't feel like he's heard your prayer. This is Jesus, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death crying out in darkness and despair, crying out to be heard, saying, if there's any way possible other than this, any other way, but not my will, thy will. God sees the big picture. More often than not, we're this. God sees the big picture. He works all things together for good to those who love him. Romans 8, right? All things. It doesn't say that all things are going to be good. Get that thought right out of your mind. Because Jesus himself said in John 16, that in this world you're going to have all kinds of problems, all kinds of trouble. But don't lose heart. Don't throw in the towel. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Then he returned, and guess what? Guess what the disciples are doing? 
You would think, I mean, he's overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Knows what this night entails. And these, I don't know how they do it. They, a lot like me, can sleep through anything. They fell asleep. He found them sleeping. And he says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for an hour? He asked Peter. Then Jesus says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch and pray. When Jesus in Matthew 4 was tempted in the wilderness, he was there 40 days, 40 nights, 40 days. He was hungry. So it makes sense when Satan, when the enemy came to him, he's going to tempt them with food. Three times Jesus responded while he was being tempted to the enemy. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Which again, that was four. (laughs) Value placed on the authority, placed on the word of God. God's word. Watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. You know why? Because the spirit's very willing. You have a willing spirit today? I have a willing spirit. But I also know that my flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. Your flesh is weak. No good thing comes from the flesh. He went away a second time. <laughs> and he prayed, My father, if, it's, if, it, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. He comes back and he finds them again sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more, prayed the third time, saying the same thing. He returns to the disciples and he says to them, Are you still sleeping? And resting? Look, the hours come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Church, (laughs) we need to wake up. We need to wake up. I want to be woke. (laughs) We need to wake up. Our world is lost, dying, separated from God. They need to know there's hope, they need to know that there's healing. They need to know that there's purpose. I think about the suicide rate today. In the church. People that just want to throw in the towel. Pray continually. Watch and pray. James 5.13 says, Is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Let them pray. Sometimes my wife will say that to me. She'll be like, well, did you pray about it? Did you pray about it? Instead of using all this energy to complain about it, get bitter about it, did you pray about it? I mean, do you believe that God is bigger than what you're up against? 
You know, God gave me this word as I was thinking about Missy, and, and I just, I prayed that prayer for her. Just say the word. Just say the word. I know that you can heal her. I have faith that can move mountains. You say, if I just have faith, that's the size of a mustard seed. I can tell this mountain to go jump into the ocean. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It says that in Hebrews 11. And so, I prayed that prayer, just say the word. Just say the word. The living word. Just say the word. And then I wrote down this prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for the grace undeserved favor that you give to each and every one of us every day of our lives. We realize the power that is associated with and in the name of Jesus Christ. We approach your throne of grace today boldly and with confidence knowing that you hear us when we pray. You hear us just as you heard this centurion. We do not have the words to express how we feel. But you already know. So we echo these words. Just say the word and it will be. Your servant will be healed. Just say the Bow your heads with me. If you're anything like me, sometimes I find myself myself asking the question, why? Why? I think God gets blamed for a lot of things. (laughs) But I also know that God maybe didn't cause something to happen, but God allows things to happen. He allowed Lazarus to die. Right? Jesus was best of friends with Mary and Martha, two sisters and their brother, Lazarus, who was sick. They sent word to Jesus and they said, the one who you love, I mean... (laughs) He's going to die unless you show up. Jesus was in no hurry. No hurries, no worries. Jesus got there when Jesus could get there. You know, it took Jesus. It took Jesus a long time to get there when it really wasn't that far away. So they would say, well, why weren't you here? Like, do you care? Like, why weren't you here? And the thing I love about the story, the, the coolest thing about that story for me personally, Jesus would have showed up right when he was on his deathbed and he would have lived, right? Okay, great, that happens all the time, that kind of stuff, right? Jesus wanted to make sure that he was dead. <laughs> like, he stunk, 
after four days of being dead, he stunk. I mean, there's no argument here. He is dead. And Jesus showed up, and this all happened. It was allowed to happen so that God could be glorified. God could get the credit. Unquestionably, God could get the credit. This man was dead. Jesus raised the dead. But there are people who were pretty upset, who were pretty mad, who said, you didn't hear our prayers. And so today, as we're seeking him and as we're trusting him, I know we always want an explanation and we'll say why, but instead, let's concentrate on the who. Okay? The who. Jesus Christ, the who. A God who can do all things. A God who can raise the dead, who can heal the sick, who can give the blind back their eyes and the deaf their ears. Gracious God, we thank you today for your word. May we hide it in our hearts. May we believe you as Abraham believed you and it was credited to him as righteousness. May we be people who pray without stopping. May we be like the centurion. He humbled himself. He said, I don't deserve to have you come to my house, but if you'll just say it, if you'll just say the word, I'm going to take you at your word. And we see what happened in this story. It increases, it enlarges our faith. We know that you're a God who's more than able, a God who always does what's best and what's right. So as your people, would you teach us? Would you teach us to wait on you, to trust in you, put our faith and our confidence in you? Would you teach us how to pray? And may we be a people who pray your will in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen.